hello and welcome to the All Plane Podcast, where every week we explore different aspects of the aviation industry in the company of some of its most experienced, knowledgeable professionals. In order to record this episode, I had to wake up way earlier than usual, since there is a 12-hour time difference with the time zone where today's guest is based. But I think it was well worth it, because today on the show we are joined by the manager of a very, very unique airline. Air Chathams is a unique airline both because of the composition of its fleet and because of its network. It is the only airline left in the world to operate a fleet of 1950s Convair 580 aircraft on regular commercial services. It is also unique because it acts as a lifeline and a link to the rest of the world for one of the most remote and isolated communities anywhere in this planet. The Chatham Islands are a tiny archipelago, several hundred miles off the coast of New Zealand, located right in the middle of the so-called Roaring Forties, where the South Pacific and the Antarctic Ocean meet. But also because Air Chathams is a family affair that has grown organically over the last three decades, to cover a network of very interesting destinations in and around New Zealand. Dwayne Emony, our guest today, is the second generation at the helm of Air Chathams. We're going to talk about what it takes to build an airline in this part of the world, the story of its vintage fleet, which includes also a Second World War era DC-3, as well as the modern part of its fleet and the plans he holds for the future of his airline. And more generally, we're going to talk about the uniqueness of the destinations Air Chathams flies to. So without further ado, let me welcome Dwayne to the podcast. Hello, Dwayne. How are you? Very good. How are you? Very good. So you are joining us today from literally the other side of the world. From, That's uh, right. Auckland, New o Zealand. Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, although you are originally, or well, your, your company is originally based in uh an archipelago that it's even more remote than New Zealand. It's called the Chatham Islands, and it's uh, 400 miles east of New Zealand's east coast, right? That is correct. It's uh, a very isolated island population, uh, 400 nautical miles off the east coast of, of mainland New Zealand, a place called the Chatham Islands. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a... Um, an island population that, that really uh, has a very strong uh, fishing and agricultural industry. Uh, so it's, a, it's predominantly export, um, you know, export products into mainland New Zealand and internationally. So it's, um, it is a small island with a small population, but it actually has a, a very large uh, GDP per capita based on the products that are um, you know, harvested from that island. Mm -hmm. And I guess your airline plays a role in in this export activity because you basically and that's the reason we have you here is that you operate the local airline in the islands and that's an airline that caught my eye a couple of years ago when i was writing an article for for cnn about uh, vintage airliners that are still operating and i i came across uh, this airline called Air Chathams, that you're still operating one of the few, if not the only one, the only uh, Convair 580 that is still operational, right? So that's a 1950s aircraft 
You also have a DC a DC three, and then you have some other more modern aircraft like an ATR and and I think some up turboprops as well. So can you please tell us a little bit about um, this airline and how it started and and uh, the type of very original unique fleet that you have? Yeah, absolutely, no problem. So yeah, it is it is a very um, unique airline that that we operate. Um, the airline started in 1984 as my father, Craig Emini, that started the, the company. Uh, he was actually living on the Chatham Islands. Uh, he was working for another very small airline um, at the time and providing a, um, an air service between the islands. There's a, there's, a, there's a main island which is called Chatham and then there's another small island called, called Pitt Island. And there's two uh, you know, fishing communities um, on both of those islands. So his, his job at the time was making sure that the, 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 the islands were connected and uh, people could go backwards and forwards using a Cessna 185, a very small airplane. And, uh, and he would land on all sorts of grass airstrips um, on both islands and transport cargo and, you know, as I say, people and everything you can imagine, actually. Um, so, you know, he, he, he spent a lot of time on the Chatham Islands and he got to know the people and... He could see that there were some real issues getting um, product into the mainland of New Zealand. Uh, the air service at the time was very unreliable. It was subsidised by the government, but it was it was quite infrequent. And, and as I say, um, the reliability was affected for a, a number of reasons. Weather, weather was difficult getting to the Chatham Islands because of its remoteness and also... Um, Ultimately, because it was a subsidised service, um, the priorities of the airline providing that service were, were, were really elsewhere in their own network. So, um, uh, can, I, can, you, can I stop you here for a second? Because uh, just uh, the islands, I wanted to ask you, the islands, as I, as I checked a little bit about how they are, um, they, uh, you have about 600 people living there, something like that? Yeah, that's right. So the resident population currently is 600 people. 600, not 600,000, 600, 600. 600. <laughs> that's right, 600, so, that's correct. Yeah, so just, just to give an, an, an idea to our audience of, of uh, how such a, this is such a, uh, it's not just remote, but it's also kind of a small place. So it's, it, it's just like a village in many ways, right? Um, oh, absolutely! It's it's a community that uh, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, it's made up of um, you know a number of large uh, family uh, groups, really, and uh, and you know those those family groups hail back to the first settlers of the island um, in the uh, you know late eighteen hundreds. So it's um, it is a very uh, small community, very close community, and uh, and very proud community. Mm -hmm. And how are the islands like? What's a sort of uh, environment there? The yeah, it's very rugged, very rugged landscape. Um, it's in a, a part of the what we call the Roaring Forties, so it's forty degrees latitude, and uh, and that brings some some reasonably strong weather. Uh, we have um, you know uh, very strong winds. Um, the, the temperatures do get uh, very cold, although we don't really have anything in the way of like heavy snow or, or, or frosts but it is quite cold with the the wind chill the wind chill factor from the south is is, is very cold because basically there's no there's no there's nothing between uh, antarctica and, and us uh, when it comes to the wind so 
Um, it does pose some challenges living on the island, and it certainly poses some challenges operating airplanes there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I'm going to post the link, uh, well, a few links if I can find some, and the transcript on the on the show notes so that people can see how they look like. I I just had a look on. Uh, on the internet earlier and I found it really really interesting I really have a thing for this sort of unique uh, remote places so that's something definitely to to check out uh, but yeah. sorry I was I interrupted you when you were explaining the story of the airline so basically your father realized that there was a, a, a market gap or there was a need in the islands yep. for, for better connections to the New Zealand mainland right correct yep mm -hmm. And that's yeah, what he, he said. Yeah, he found that so, Yeah, yeah. The um, you, you know, with the help of the the Chatham Islands people and some of the um, you know that he he developed a relationship with during his time there, uh, he was able to uh, invest in a very small aircraft. It was a, a Cessna three three seven. So they had a nickname called a Push Me Pull You. They had a it was a centerline thrust aircraft with one engine at the back and one engine at the front. Um, so effectively, it was a multi-engine aircraft, but on a centerline thrust, and uh, and he used that aircraft between Chatham Islands and Pitt Island. But he also started flying uh, charter up into mainland New Zealand to a place called uh, Gisborne and uh, and Napier, which is on the Hawkes Bay and the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just checking now these aircraft, the Cessna three three seven. That's quite an interesting configuration, as you said. One. Yeah. One engine at the front, one at the back. So, That's right. So yeah, yep. well, okay, sort of. Uh, did, did they work at the same time, both engines? Or you, it yeah, was yeah one or absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they always had, had had one, and I guess if one stopped, then you you, you know you still had one left. But uh, I don't think it would get you very far. Uh -huh. Interesting. I'm going to post a link as well to to the show notes. So then um, he set up this small airline with uh, it was a one aircraft airline, and and from that. From from there, uh, he kept growing it, I guess. Yeah, basically, the demand for product off the uh, the island grew, and and, and as that grew, um, you know, so did Air Chatham's, and ultimately, uh, you know, that that takes us through to uh, nineteen ninety six, where um, Air Chatham's purchased our first Convair five eighty, and that was when we introduced that airplane into our fleet. And where did you get this Convair aircraft? Because that was already by the late 90s. That was already kind of vintage. I mean, that aircraft yeah. <laughs> uh, was flying, it's flying since the early 50s. And Correct. we could say it's one of the last, last uh, large, um, is it piston engine? It's piston engine, right? So it's yeah. Well, I mean, they all they all came out originally as as piston, uh, you know, piston radial aircraft. The the one that we purchased in nineteen ninety six for the Chatham Islands was actually a a Convair three forty um, variant with the piston radial engines, and then in the um, I think it was you know throughout the mid sixties that's when um, Convair. Uh, started to retrofit the aircraft um, with the Ellison um, uh, prop jet engines, and that's that's really what you know ultimately was the making of those aircraft, and then what you know made them so popular with a lot of regional airlines uh, throughout the United States and and actually through Europe as well. So 
Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it, you're quite right. I mean, to be introducing an aircraft like that in 1996, it had certainly already had quite a life. Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely uh, up to date with its the full history of uh, the aircraft we now call uh, ZKCIB, which is New Zealand registration. But um, it certainly did have an exciting life. It had one um, one little mishap, uh, I believe on um, I believe it was on takeoff where uh, the aircraft was was departing on um, uh, quite an icy runway, and it actually came off the runway and. Uh, the the propeller went through the um, uh, side fuselage. I think it was the left hand prop detached and went through the side fuselage and almost broke the aircraft off. Um, so you know it was it was salvaged from there and and, and carried on flying and and eventually ended up on um, you know one of the remotest islands in the world. Mm -hmm. And how did you procure this aircraft? Where did you find it? Yeah, well, it was a little bit before me, but uh, well, I mean, I was around, but I, I, you know, I was I was quite a bit younger. But my father went over to um, Canada. There's a, a place called Kelowna, and uh, they were actually retrofitting these aircraft. So they were they were buying existing hulls and they were um, converting them into these uh, combi aircraft, so effectively combination passenger and freight, and um, and also installing a um, a large uh, hydraulic cargo door on the rear left side of the fuselage so it could actually take a um, palletized loading system using cargons and and um, flat pallets with straps and nets so that that's really the key to it was that um, it allowed the uh, for the Chatham Island service you could run as a um, you know it could be a full passenger aircraft carrying 39 people or it could be converted within uh, one hour to a full freight aircraft and carry, um, you know, just under seven ton. Uh, or you could decide to have it in multiple configurations of, um, you know, 21 passengers with uh, four and a half ton of freight uh, or a 31 passenger combination with around about two and a half ton of freight. So it was very versatile aircraft and, and uh, that's why it was uh, so effective on the Chetamont. Mm -hmm. And right now you operate it in which configuration? You are also changing it all the time, or yeah, all the time we're changing it. Yeah, so depending on what the uh, demand is, if it's a if it's a charter group that want to come out to visit the island, and we get that quite a bit during the summer, then we'll run it as a full freight aircraft. Um, or if it's uh, you know if the fish factories on the Chatham Islands have got a lot of product that they need to export quickly, they'll um, contact us and we'll fly it out as a full full freighter. So it's um, constantly being moved between um, configurations mm -hmm. so it's still you're flying it regularly and you could you yeah. could actually book it as a just as a you would book with any any other absolutely it's all up. it's all uh, all the flights to and from the chatham islands are still served 100 percent by convair aircraft mm -hmm. and uh they run on a schedule we we operate uh, currently, it's in, in a very reduced period post COVID nineteen, but uh, we're still operating three return flights uh, from the Chatham Islands to the three main ports in, in New Zealand, which is Christchurch, Wellington, and Auckland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we get closer to uh, our summer, your your winter, mm -hmm. um, we will we will start to increase the schedule so um, to cater for the um, increase in passenger traffic demand. And also a lot more uh, fishing goes on because the weather starts to improve so the, the fishing boats can get out on the water and, and, and catch uh, rock lobster and, and um, uh, other wet fish species which they export. 
wow, it, it must be quite an experience to fly such an, uh, such an aircraft. Definitely. Yeah, we've had, we've had yeah. people from all over the world uh, come and book on our airline because they just love these aeroplanes and they, all they want to do is <laughs> travel to the Chathams on a Convair and then fly home again. So um, it is uh, quite unique. And that's not the only uh, vintage aircraft that you have in your fleet because you also you have or you used to have a, a Douglas DC-3, right? Yeah, we still have uh, we still have our Douglas DC-3. It's um, it's a beautiful aeroplane. We uh, and it's got a you know like all Douglas DC-3s that are still flying. It's got an amazing history. That was. Um, it was actually uh, came off the production line uh, the day the the Russians invaded Berlin in the World War Two. So um, obviously, you know, at that stage, the demand for uh, aircraft going into Europe was was less. Um, so that particular aeroplane was actually part of a, a number that were donated or gifted to the New Zealand uh, Air Force, and, and then they were used as trainers. And they also saw some uh, some active duty. That this particular one saw some active duty in the Malayan crisis. Um, when it came back to New Zealand, um, it was sold um, to our what ultimately became Air New Zealand, but at the time it was called National Airways Corporation, and uh, they were flown all around New Zealand. So initially, um, there was actually two airlines in um, uh, an airline uh, in, in New Zealand rather that were flying DC threes and. Um, uh, National Airways Corporation were actually in quite a, quite a heated competition environment, so they upgraded the aircraft. They they Im implemented the, what they call the Skyliner mod, so you know it was soundproofing and uh, improved cabin interiors um, and larger windows. So that's the um, that's the shape that the aircraft is in currently. Uh, from there, it it, uh, it went on lease. It did some flying for uh, an airline in Samoa, which is in the uh, South Pacific, South Pacific Island. Came back to New Zealand. Uh, was used uh, or initially. The plan was to use it to, to 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 fly tourists around the country, but then it was actually converted to a agricultural aircraft. So it was spraying fertilizer on on the uh, the farms around New Zealand, in certain parts of New Zealand. Um, after that, it was a freighter. They they, uh, they pulled all the um, the hopper equipment out for the fertilising work, and they uh, turned it into a freighter. Uh, and it was flying between the two islands, so the North Island and the South Island of New Zealand. Um, then it was reconverted back into a passenger aircraft. The intention was to um, you know, use it on tours around the country again, but that never happened. And it uh, found its way to the Kingdom of Tonga, where it was actually purchased by the, the Crown Prince. They have a monarchy in, in Tonga. And uh, and he actually had an airline up there and started operating two DC-3s uh, all through the, the Kingdom of Tonga. So they uh, they did that for quite some time. Um, that's really how we came to uh, to get our hands on the aircraft, is that we, um, we took over the air service in Tonga as uh, we called it Chatham Pacific, it was a subsidiary of our, our, our main airline, and uh, and we purchased a hangar so that we could do our aircraft, uh, airline maintenance at the hangar uh, in Tongatapu. There's an airport there called Fuamutu, which is their international airport, connects the kingdom with the uh, uh, the you know, I, you know New Zealand and other uh, countries, Australia and through the Pacific. Um, and in the hangar was the Douglas DC-3. Uh, my father's quite a passionate aviator, so um, he didn't want to see that aircraft uh, you know, turn, turned into scrap. So um, 
uh, we, we, we started a project. We uh, got some help in from New Zealand and uh, some very experienced aircraft engineers that had worked on and flown Douglas DC-3s in the past. And we slowly but surely brought it back to life. Uh, once we had it serviceable and certified, we actually decided to operate it ourselves. So we started flying passengers with that aircraft between Tongatapu and the Hapai Island Group, and also up into the Vavau Island Group, which is in the Kingdom of Tonga. And it was actually very successful. It was, um, you know, hands down one of the more reliable airplanes that we had because they were just so simple. Uh, they were they were built that way. So if uh, if you know you needed to change a cylinder, you could do that within a matter of hours. Um, so yeah, very very effective airplane. Um, the the airline we had in Tonga, um, we made the the decision to exit that market because there was at the time quite a large influence um, through government uh, to to accept an offer from the Chinese government for some MA60 aircraft and, and a whole uh, aviation package around that. So. We just felt that it probably wasn't going to be a very fair environment to, to operate in, and we decided that we would move our, um, that, that part of our operation back to New Zealand. Uh, we took the DC-3 with us, and uh, since it got back into New Zealand, we've been using it for predominantly scenic flying and air shows. So we take it to all the, all the main air shows around New Zealand, and also um, it's based 24-7 these days in a port city called Tauranga. And uh, that's on the uh, western Bay of Plenty in the North Island, New Zealand. Um, and we've paired up with a uh, company down there called Classic Flyers. Uh, so on the weekends in summer, we, we take our DC-3 out and for, uh, I think it's only 99 New Zealand dollars. I'm not sure what that is in Euro. It's probably about 30 Euro. Um, you know, we fly that aircraft uh, for 30 minutes around the city uh, as a sightseeing tour. It's, um, it's very popular. Wow, that's quite a story. I can, I'm trying to, to picture now this DC-3 flying in the, in the South Pacific and, and then in the, the beautiful landscape of New Zealand. That must be really, really an amazing experience. So that's only for on-demand panoramic flights. It's not on, on, let's say, on regular airline service, this DC-3. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's airline scheduled days are well and truly over, but um, we, we do still use it on the, on the sightseeing tours and um and we do go to the air shows and things like that as well so it's uh, it's it's a beautiful airplane everywhere it goes it draws attention and uh and what you know i mean our goal now is um because we are a family airline uh and and we are very passionate about aviation is that we um we want to make sure that people get to experience that aircraft and you have it painted in uh, i see some pictures online you have it painted in uh, a sort of retro livery of, uh, yeah, so we've we've actually taken it back. We've taken it back to its original um, paint scheme when it first started with the National Airways Corporation, and uh, and it was it was named Pawaitiri, which uh, is a Maori word for uh, yellow crested parakeet, and uh, so that's so that's the paint scheme that we've taken it back to. Mm -hmm. And I can see you also have other aircraft in your fleet. I mean, I don't want the the audience to have the impression that you, you, your airline is kind of like a flying museum. I mean, you have some, some modern aircraft as well. You have an ATR-72 as well. You have some Saab 340s, uh, yep. virtual metros, uh, yep. Cessnas, 
Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the rest of the fleet, the the modern part of the fleet? To, <laughs> to yeah, no problem. Um, so I guess it's like anything: as as an airline grows, uh, you've got to move with the times. And uh, because we are family owned, you know, we are limited by basically what we can afford as a family to to operate. But as the airline has grown larger, uh, we've been in a position to take advantage of uh, some opportunities that have come our way. So we've expanded our domestic network within the North Island of New Zealand. Um, we we took over some uh, flight routes that were previously operated by Air New Zealand, our national carrier, and uh, and we implemented uh, aircraft like the Metroliners. Uh, we we bought into the Saab 340, which has been an extremely effective uh, aircraft for our airline. And in more recent times, um, we have a contract with a company based in the United States to provide an aircraft for the Talc Tours. And Talc is an international travel company that has um, uh, you know, guided itineraries throughout the world, uh, including Australia and New Zealand. So we operate the New Zealand component of that with our ATR-72. So we're in a very much a transitional state at the moment. We, we think we'll be retiring the Convairs um, in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Sorry, then, one, uh, one question. I, I didn't fully understand what last thing you said about the ATR seventy two. So that's for um, it's flying itineraries for groups, or how does it yes. work? Yes. So there's a if you if you Google search it, it's a company called Talc T A U C K, and uh, they um, they are an international travel company that do um, very high end, fully guided tours all around the world. Okay. And, uh, and and they have an Australia and New Zealand component. So we we operate the uh, itineraries for New Zealand, and uh, so that that aircraft, that ATR aircraft, we purchased from Air New Zealand, uh, and we use that um, specifically on that um, that charter series. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And from what you said, you also operate uh in in uh, the new zealand mainland so your your uh, route network is not only flying between the chatham islands and new zealand but also inside new zealand and i think you also have a flight to uh, the norfolk island is this right yeah that's correct yeah so we um we love flying island, to remote islands yeah, yeah it's an island just for just uh, for the audience it's, it's an island a small island that is literally between australia and new zealand and it, it's got a very, from what I heard, it's, it's got a very unique environment and, and landscape, right? Yeah, very similar to um, the Chathams, except the temperature is significantly better. It's a, it's a much warmer place. It's subtropical. So mm-hmm. um, you get a lot of, uh, they don't have any industry there. Their only industry is tourism. So uh, visitors from Australia and New Zealand predominantly, um, but, but in recent years, mainly from Australia. Um, and yeah, we operate the Convoy 580 from Auckland to Norfolk. So interestingly, that's exactly the same sector distance as the flight from Auckland to the Chatham Islands. And uh, even more interestingly, if you flew um, directly from the Chatham Islands to Auckland and you carried on flying for another 580 nautical miles, you would land in Norfolk Island. So go figure. We, um, we, we decided that that was a, a route sector that was purpose-built for the Convoy. Mm-hmm. So you, your airline should be on on the agenda of pretty much everyone that is interested in these remote outspots in in the south. Um, yeah, I think I think so. I think it's um, a very unique uh, destination uh, 
network. <laughs> yeah, so so probably for the, at least the next uh, six months, you can uh, you can operate on a you know fly on a very unique airplane to a very unique place. Mm -hmm. And how does it uh, how is it like to operate such a diverse and, and unique fleet? I guess when you're flying a Convair, 1950s Convair, a DC three, built in the 1940s, then you have some modern aircraft. Um, all the maintenance and uh, all the all the other MRO stuff that goes around those airplanes. It must be quite complex to run an airline like that. Specifically about the Convert and the DC-3, it might require some specialized uh, maintenance work. And I, I don't know how easy it is to, to source spares and, and components that you might need eventually. Yeah, no, you're right. It is it is challenging, and and I think in the early days, uh, you know, the mid '90s, uh, when my father first bought into the Convairs, um, you know, they had a lot of they had a lot of issues with uh, just getting to grips with the aircraft, actually, because it is um, it is very complex. I mean, it's a beautifully designed airplane, just like the DC three. Actually, it was so far ahead of its time. Um, but it is very complex, and there are a lot of systems, and there are a lot of moving parts, and um, so, you know, they had some, some interesting times, but uh, I think, you know, having operated the aircraft for as long as we have, um, you know, 24 years, really, then you, you, you see a lot of things. And, and also in that time, we were able to build up a very good stock of um, spares. So, you know, we have the operating knowledge now, um, you know, we have uh, in the last decade, the, the spares to back that up. So. They've actually become an extremely reliable airplane for us, and they continue to be very reliable. Um, the DC-3, uh, it is, it's similar. I mean, there are actually still a number of Douglas DC-3s around the world, and there are a number of manufacturers that, that will um, you know, provide overhaul and parts. Uh, the, the aircraft is obviously supported by Boeing. Um, so, you know, all in all, it's, uh, it is a challenge, and, and like everything in aviation, it's very expensive, but... Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's still um, it's still possible. What about the pilots? Do you need uh, pilots to follow some specific training to fly the Convairs and the DC threes? Yeah, absolutely. So so we operate um, uh, in accordance with our our regulators. So that's the New Zealand Civil Aviation, and most of um, you know most of the framework of those rules come from uh, you know ICAO and FAA. So. Um, it's very similar worldwide with a lot of Western countries in terms of how those um, uh, you know, aviation industries are regulated. So uh, we operate under, they call it part 125, the Douglas DC-3, because that's the, the category that that aircraft fits into with less than 30 seats. Um, so that's, that is operated in to, you know, to a very high standard of training. Um, to give you an example, like anything, if you... If you want to fly that airplane, you have to do a ground school, you have to complete that, you then have to do a type rating, which consists of around about five hours of flying in the actual airplane. That's running through a whole scenario of emergency and abnormal events. And then you have to go into line training, which, uh, you know, depending on whether it's initial or, um, or, or upgrade training can be anywhere from sort of 10 to 15 hours, uh, you know, online. On so... Um, that's under part one, two, five. Then with the conveyors, it's even it's even more um, thorough with uh, under part one, two, one, which is your large aircraft category because it's over thirty seats and a payload of greater than three point four ton. So um, it's a 
ground school that, that consists of uh, around two weeks in class. Uh, then you go into simulators. We have uh, one of only two fixed-based Convair simulators in the world that's based on Chatham Islands. So you end up, uh, as a pilot, you'll, be, you'll spend probably about two weeks in the, in the simulator doing exercises. Then you'll get into the airplane itself. Uh, complete your type rating because there's some things you can't do in a fixed base simulator. So you complete your uh, type rating in the airplane, and then you go online uh, under line training for uh, you know 100 hours, 100 flight hours, or 75 flight cycles. And then at uh, the end of that, if you've completed all your exercises and you know you make the grade, then you'll be signed out to fly with um, uh, you know on, on regular lineups. So it's it's very um very thorough uh, in terms of our training standards and it has to be because um you know you've got you've got a lot of responsibility yes well i guess there's not that many pilots out there <laughs> that have followed all these procedure it's a pretty explosive yeah. club yeah yeah it's um i mean my, my father and i both fly the conveyor and and we both uh fly the Douglas DC-3, so um, uh, he still flies it. I, I, I haven't flown the DC-3 for a couple of years now, but um, but yeah, I mean, they are. They are complex airplanes, but they're great fun. Wow. Uh, Convair 580 is still my uh, my favorite airplane to fly out of everything, and I've flown, uh, you know, um, Metro liners and Saabs as well, so um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, so they can find you at the, at the rudder uh when <laughs> when people come into board very good and just uh one question that is inevitable these days is uh, about well the pandemic that we are living uh, you are in the one of those parts of the world that have um let's say they have best managed the whole situation and so i guess you are now getting to normal or almost close to normal yeah, it's um, it's it's getting normal in terms of our domestic environment. Um, we we have a, a a level scale, so it goes from level one to level four. Level four was was lockdown. Level three was not much different than lockdown. Uh, level two was uh, you know a lot of our, um, those restrictions were lifted. Um, we were in that environment for a number of weeks, and then we we've just um, you know in the last two weeks transitioned back to level one. Which is basically life as normal in, uh, in in New Zealand, but we still have um, you know very heavy restrictions on international travel into our country. So, uh, from a domestic point of view, uh, it just feels like everything's normal again. We can go to sporting matches with uh, stadiums full of people. Um, you know, we we can get obviously public transport. There's there's no restrictions on that. Uh, there's no social distancing mandated on on aircraft, uh, so from a business point of view, it, it makes it a little bit easier to uh, get get things back on track. But uh, I think it's going to take a very very long time, and I think that the um, the economic impact of, uh, of of COVID on our on our domestic market and uh, and also the global markets uh, will be huge and is is going to be realised uh, over the next you know six to twelve months. Mm -hmm. Did the virus reach the Chatham Islands? No, no, it didn't reach Chathams, and it didn't reach COVID. Uh, didn't reach uh, Norfolk Island. So okay. there you go. That's another reason to travel there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Those are yeah, two uh, safe territories. Um, very good. So 
just to for the people that might be interested in the flying in, in in your airline they should go and book on the website right airchathams.co.nz and what other way i mean you you also offer some tours uh panoramic flights etc so everything is bookable there yeah i mean if you want to have a just have a look at our website just to get a bit of an understanding of um, you know what we do and what what aircraft we fly and where uh, just just go to airchatterns.co.nz uh, have a look and if you want to book a flight you can do that from the website we also um, a lot of um, fare aggregators throughout the world uh, actually sell our products so you can look on Skyscanner and things like that and see Air Chatham's flights so you can Believe it or not, you can book a flight on a on a you know nineteen sixties Convair via a, a modern platform. So it's quite quite unique, really. Yes, indeed. And I'm gonna post a link on the on the show notes. So it's airchallenge.co.nz. Great. So it's been uh, so interesting to have this conversation. It's definitely a very unique airline, very unique fleet, and very unique network that you are operating. So um, I guess that's going to be uh, quite interesting to, to many of our listeners that are aviation enthusiasts. And uh, who knows, you might get some of them soon on board your Convair or your DC-3 or your other aircraft. Uh, yeah, nice. yeah, it's a, um, yeah, you're right. It is a very unique um, family-owned business. And um, yeah, we're, we're very proud of what we've managed to achieve uh, over the years since 1984, and uh, and of course, you know, the future is going to be interesting as well as we um, unfortunately have to transition away from Convairs. It'll be a very sad day for us um, when we have to do that. But uh, you know, we're going to move into uh, operating more Saabs and and potentially more ATRs, and and um, and just see where that takes us. Do you have already a calendar for the retirement? of the conveyor yeah it's it's um slowly been worked out i think we've we've got uh, we're currently operating three conveyors one's a one's a freight aircraft so that does freight between um predominantly between auckland and christchurch which are two major cities in, in new zealand um and then we have uh two passenger aircraft the, the combination one that i've spoken about mainly and also another aircraft which we purchased from an, aircraft, uh, an airline called Aero, um, Aero Aviation, which was based in Alaska. And that was a 50-seat Convair and it was passenger only, but, you know, we, we call it Kiwi Ingenuity and um, we installed seat bags and, uh, and you know, we, we've actually managed to make that aircraft quite effective at carrying both passengers and freight. So, um, you know, so we're still operating that aircraft as well. What, what we think will... Um, happen is towards the latter part of this year uh, we'll reduce our fleet to two conveyors and um, by around mid next year uh, we'll probably retire both of the conveyors uh, so we won't be operating any more in our fleet um, you know that things can change we'll just see what the landscape looks like but um, we're currently looking at programs to have our Saab and ATR aircraft um, upgraded to fly the oceanic routes out to Chatham Islands and Norfolk Islands so that um, they can start to uh, operate on those predominantly Convair sectors. Okay, so aviation enthusiasts that want to fly the Convair have a sort of a narrow window of opportunity to do so. Um, 
provided that the uh, travel list, uh, travel restrictions are lifted, um, they they would need to to hurry up and and experience these aircraft before they are gone. Very good. So um, thank you very much, Dwayne. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning more about your very unique airline. No problem. Uh, it's been nice talking to you. And uh, yeah, I'll post uh, all the links and information on the on the show notes so that people can have a look at uh, the Chatham Islands, your aircraft, and all these very interesting places and things we have been talking about. So thank you very much and have a great Thanks. week ahead. Thanks, Miguel. You have a great uh, day and I'll, um, yeah, nice chatting with you. Thank you.